pray David was going to sin before my son. Saw the prize 
and he was willing to run the race no matter what the situation was. And he went through an awful lot of suffering and bondage and tribulation and different things that we've heard. And so we know that um, the, the body is corruptible. If you want to be a little discouraged, uh, I want you to read Ecclesiastes to, get, to bring you back to, to reality. And so um, it, I, I did that. I, I went in there and I was, I was putting this together. I thought, well, I should put in something to bring us all into really reality by, by reading uh, Solomon's uh, Ecclesiastes. So in, in Ecclesiastes, the third chapter, in the beginning of 16, uh, 16, I said, I know that whatever God does, it, it shall be forever. Nothing can be added to it, and nothing taken away from it. God does it that men should fear before Him. That which is has always been, and what is has been already been, and God requires an account of what is past. Moreover, I saw under the sun, in the place of judgment, wickedness was there, and in the place of righteousness, iniquity was there. God shall judge the righteous and the wicked, for is there for there is a time there for every purpose and for every work. And on the last great day, we'll we'll talk about that. A time and purpose for every work. I said in my heart concerning the condition of the sons of men, God tests them that they may see that they themselves are like animals. Oh boy. For what happens to the, to the sons of men also happens to animals. One thing befalls them. As one dies, so dies the other. Surely they all have one breath. Man has no advantage over the animals, for all is vanity. Well, like I said, you won't be depressed. Sometimes you read uh, uh, Solomon's Ecclesiastes. And yet there's a lot of good interesting things and some profound things written by Solomon that are very encouraging also. All go to one place. All are from the dust and all return to the dust. Who knows the spirit of the sons of men which go upward and the spirit of animals which goes into the earth. So I perceive that nothing is better than that a man should rejoice. God gave us the feast of tabernacles to rejoice, to be happy, to enjoy things in his own works, for that is his heritage. For who can bring him to see what will happen after him? God has revealed that to us. Let's go to John, the third chapter. Let's see what Jesus said to this interesting individual by the name of Nicodemus. And he was a leader of the Jews. And there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do the things that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered and said to him, the Lord most profound. <laughs> most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So what did Jesus preach from the very beginning? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And so constant, constantly, Jesus is reminding all of us about the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter into the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Boy, that is a key statement. Because we are flesh and blood. We will be just like Solomon just said. All of us will go to the dust unless we are born of the Spirit. As Jesus said, Do not marvel that I said to you that you must be born again. 
the wind blows where it wishes, and, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Now, we're not there yet, are we? I think we're pretty much fixed to the ground every day. Only sometimes we're fixed to a seat and have a hard time getting up out of it. But yet, we're, you know, we're still physical human beings, and you can fix yourself. And you know you're physical. You haven't been born of the Spirit. You're not like the wind. And then Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? This is, this is always a, a, been a profound statement because Jesus said, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? So it must have been something that could have obviously been seen out of the, the scriptures. Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive the one uh, receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven but he that came down from heaven, and that is the Son of Man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have ever eternal life. Everlasting life, eternal life. All of us know these scriptures. They're in our hearts. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's why we're here. We want to be like spirit beings. We want to be spirit beings. We want to be in the kingdom. We want to live everlasting. Forever. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. And so we preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And He sits at the right hand of the Father. And we preach it on a continuous basis. So we want to understand about this, um, um, how, how can we make it into the kingdom of God? How do we make it there? How how does God change our bodies? How do we become from flesh and blood to spirit beings? How do we put on an incorruptible crown while we are wearing or running right now for corruptible crowns? We have different things in our lives and different things. So let's go to First Corinthians 15th chapter. As we, as Barnabas went there, but I want to go a little bit further and a little deeper into it, and we're going to look at some things that Paul brings out. And he really, <laughs> there was a lot of controversy back then about the resurrection. And even though Jesus walked around and talked to everybody and rose out of the graves, there were still a lot of that didn't believe in the resurrection. And so when Paul went around, he preached the resurrection. And he preached it strongly. And he preached Christ as a resurrected being that is sitting at the right hand of the Father. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you, verse 1, the gospel, the good news, which I, I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you were saved. If you hold fast that word which I have preached to you, unless you believe in vain. And so you see how important the words of God are. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I have received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures, and that He was seen by Cephas and by the Twelve. And after that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain at this present time, but some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of James, and by all the apostles. And then last of all, he was seen by me also, as one who was born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, but am not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. And you can, you know, he even stood there and um, had Stephen 
stoned to death because of what Stephen said. But God, uh, Jesus called him. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and His grace towards me was not in vain. But I labor more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was in me. The grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preach and so we believe. Now, if Jesus be preached that he's been raised from the dead, and so here was the controversy that was going on at that time. If Jesus preached that you know, he was raised from the dead, how did some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? I guarantee you this is one of the most important things to understand in the Scriptures, is the resurrection. And the importance is that your whole belief and your whole understanding of the Scriptures depends on you believing that God will resurrect you someday when Christ returns. But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty. My preaching will be empty too. But I believe, and I think everyone in this room believes, and I hope, if you're listening in, that you believe that Christ is resurrected and sitting at the right hand of the Father. As Paul preached this strong message for the Corinthians, but it was written down for all of time, and especially for our time, that we might understand. He says, He says, yes, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. If Christ is not risen, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are men most pitiable. But now is Christ risen. The hope is there. The resurrection is true, it's real from the dead, and has become the first fruit for those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in, all, as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But each one is his own, in, in his own order. Christ, the first fruits, afterwards those who are Christ at his coming. Then comes the end, when he delivers up the kingdom of the Father, and when he puts all in to the rule. And he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. And so, I'm going to stop right there. We'll come back to this. And this is the last great day message that's coming very soon. Let's go to Isaiah, the 11th chapter, and let's see what is going to happen in the kingdom. And who is going to rule? And how is going to rule? And what's going to happen there? It's, it's such a beautiful story. And it all revolves around God the Father giving Christ the responsibility and us the responsibility of bringing about many sons into the kingdom. It says, There shall come forth a rod. This is a, Isaiah 11, verse 1. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And of course, Jesse was David's father, and the branch that we know is Jesus Christ. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And Jesus was all of those. His delight is in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meat of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his loins and faithfulness the belt of his waist. It's interesting in the, in the terminology and how so diametrically opposite his rulership is going to be 
to the governments of the world that we live in. And we say by man, how men want to rule over men and, and suppress them. And yet Jesus wants to rule with righteousness, with wisdom, and all of those things. And he wants to wants the poor to, to, to flourish in and become rich. Not, be, not stay poor. And I, I think in the kingdom we, we are going to be able to teach and, and bring about such wonderful relief from this, from this world. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and the little child shall lead them. And the cow and the, bell, uh, the bear shall graze, and the young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox, and the nursing child shall play in the cobra's hole, or the pocket's worm, as I think the King James says. And the weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's den, and shall not hurt or destroy. We know that there are so many problems in the situation in the world that we live in today. There's so much, um, so many fears, so many things going on. Uh, not just animals, which there are those too. There are pit bulls that just recently mauled two young children and, uh, and just about mauled his mother as he tried to get away from her. All of these things are happening in the society in when Christ returns. And we will have a hand in bringing that peace to this whole earth. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters that covers the sea. And that's going to get all over the world during this millennial time that we will have to work with the earth. And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, who shall stand as a banner to the people. For the Gentiles shall seek him, and his resting place shall be glorious. All people will seek Jesus Christ. And they'll ask you and I, where can I go to see Jesus? Oh, yeah, I know where that's at. Give me a minute, and we'll go there. We'll find Jesus. And his resting place shall be glorious. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people who left from Assyria and Egypt and Paphos, Cush and from Elam and Shinar and Hamath and the islands of the sea. And he will set up a, a banner for the nations and will send the outcasts of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah from four corners of the earth. And also the envy of Ephraim shall be part, and the adversaries of Judah shall be cut off. Ephraim shall not envy Judah, and Judah shall not harass Ephraim. And they shall fly down upon the soldiers of the Philistines toward the west. Together they shall plunder the people of the east, and they shall lay their hand on Edom and Moab, and the people of Ammon, and shall obey them. And the Lord will utterly destroy the tongue of the sea of Egypt with his mighty wind, and he will shake his fist over the river and strike it in seven streams and make men cross over dry shod. There shall be a highway for the remnant of his people who will be left from Assyria as it is from uh, as it was for Israel. And in that day, uh, he came up from the, the land of Egypt. In Isaiah, the second chapter, we find all of this being set up in that very special place that God loves. Right there in Jerusalem. It's now, as we say, it's, it's, it's mostly secular. There are a lot of Jews that are looking for the Messiah to come. And it's also a very secular place. But one day, in verse 1, the word that Isaiah the son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains, and it shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow to it. Mountains are the larger nations. By the way, I say this all the time, and I, I, God does not want to destroy all of the nations. And 
that's the reason why he's intervening when he intervenes. He does not want the destruction of all humanity. The Bible talks about it all the time, that he's going to intervene before that happens. And so we see that he wants to be a benevolent and wonderful ruler over all nations. He wants the people to come to him. He wants to rule over large nations like America and like Britain and, and different large nations. And, and he wants to uh, he wants to have the smaller nations, which we have a lot of smaller nations, which are the hills, that, to, to be ruled over also. And Jesus said we're going to rule over cities, didn't he? Those that overcome are going to rule over cities. So you're going to have rulership. You're going to have an opportunity to bring the things that we know and the understanding that we have of the Feast of Tabernacles and all of God's holy days to all of humanity. And when we do that, they're going to start coming and they're going to start really worshiping and understanding God for, for, for truth and for uh, real rather than the things that they understand today uh, in society and the idolatry and the different things and Satanism that's going on will be all gone. God will change that. He will get rid of all of that. And uh, many people who live over into that society will probably have a very difficult time learning this truth because they have been perverted in their minds. And they will need help in their spirit. They will need help in their emotions. And they will need us to be there to help at that time. Many people shall come. We'll ask them to come. We'll want them to come. And especially on the Feast of Tabernacles, they will be commanded to come. Zechariah, they'll be commanded to come up. And if they don't come up, what do they get? <laughs> they get a drought by Oklahoma. Our hoping is not to get practically that bad, but there are the weather problems that we have. But they'll have a drought. They may have it for three years. If they're not coming up, they're going to get, you know, and if they don't come up anymore, they're going to have more. God will bring them. He will take them. If, if he has to bring them to their knees, he will do that. Come and let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us his ways, and we shall walk in his paths, for out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And we'll have to have some, some foundation, won't we? We'll have to have laws. I mean, we've got so many laws in this society today, we don't even know what all the laws are. <laughs> Thousands of laws, and yet God's laws, and, and you look at what he set out, that's about 717, I think, is what it was, the max. And that included... Um, the agricultural laws and all of the different things that were set up. <laughs> it's amazing what we can do uh, to suppress humanity by just creating laws after laws after laws. But we'll teach the true laws, and those laws will go forth. And the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And here's an important part, because the Levites, the priesthood, was responsible for judging. And Jesus Christ was the, the major judge. And, and all of those that will be under him and David and all of that. But we have responsibility. It says we're going to be judging. Well, it says we need to judge angels. I don't know about that one. But, uh, maybe the dark angels. Uh, uh, they knew too much about that. They knew too much about all of this. Don't they? The angels... But they, they don't know a whole lot about what God is doing because they would like to look into this. And it says they, they don't quite understand the power that God has in bringing about the kingdom and all the ones that will be in it. I look forward to, to meeting my guardian angel. I, I want him to tell me how many times he had to save me. <laughs> the things that I have went through that I, I just I, I can't imagine. They just, I can't believe that you were in that situation and you almost died. And I had just barely got you out of it, you know. And so anyway, I, I just want to, I, 
I'm so looking forward to the day when we can we can ask questions and we can see what's going on. We know from the scriptures something and we see it darkly. One of these days the light will be so bright and we'll see so well. We will so we will understand so much. He shall judge between the nations and rebuke many people. They shall beat the swords into plowshares and the spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. And I, I, I look forward to that day when there's no more war. Because there's been way too much down through the ages. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. Let's pick it back up where we were. Because we're still talking about the work that is going on in our life. Uh, and it's called conversion. The spirit within us. We've already been talking about that. God dwelling in us. Christ and the Father dwelling in us so that we can walk in this way and we can understand the Scriptures. But we also need to understand that He has a plan for each and every one of us. And part of that plan is to, if we're in the grave, to resurrect us. And if we're still alive when Christ returns, in the twinkling of an eye, we are changed from this physical, this physical stuff to a spirit being. In which we won't have to worry about the higher we are, for our own, uh, how many different things, problems I have, and all of the different stuff that goes along with being physical. We will be glorious. We will be wonderful. And so in verse 26 uh, through 28, just these few verses, he says, He must reign, in verse 25, until he has put all enemies in the feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. Boy, we hate death. We hate to see our, our families uh, die or even our relatives or friends die. For he that has put all things under his feet, but when he says all things are put under him, it is evident that he uh, who put all things under him is accepted. Now, when all things are made subject to him, then the Son himself will also be subject to him who put all things under him, that God may be all in all. That's what Jesus told us to do. Just pray to the Father. Because the Father has the overall plan for all of mankind. He even knows when we're supposed to send Christ back. Well, not everybody knows that. He knows. In the beginning in verse 35, I, I, love, I love Paul's, um, the way he uh, argued for the resurrection, the way he argues it is so uh, down to earth. <laughs> well, that was, uh, the, in fact, it's, it's under the earth a lot of the times. So let's look and see. Someone will say, okay, how are the dead raised up? And with what body are they that do they come? And he says, foolish one, what, what you sow is not made alive unless it dies. And what you sow, you do not sow the body that it shall be, but mere grain, perhaps a reed or some other grain. But God gives it a body as it please, as He pleases, and to each seed its own body. If you want to um, destroy evolution, completely destroy it, all you have to do is go plant a seed. Pick it up, you look at it, this looks dead. <laughs> no life. This is a, some seeds really look like they are dead. I mean, they're all shriveled up and there's, there's nothing there. They just look dead. And you plant that thing, and what happens? If it's viable, it comes up and grows and evolves. And then it produces fruit. It produces after it's it produces fruit. And so God has given that and laughs at every time somebody says, oh, well, we all evolved. Well, you just try to figure out how all of this diversity in plants and trees 
And all of that actually came about through an evidence of process. In fact, it sort of gives us how complexity of human, uh, just the human genome, and how complex it is. And you just need to explain. Well, you know, there's many things on top. Oh, I don't know whether we did or not because there's so many things going on. And some of the scientists are really being said, that's nonsense. Especially Darwinian evolution. Well, that really is nonsense. And they're still trying to put evolution into the schools and things. You can disprove evolution by one little thing. And that's it. All goes on, so I want to I want to continue on. God gives it the body as He pleases, and to each seed its own body. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of animals, another flesh of fish, another of birds. Anyone that's everybody knows this. <laughs> it's been in the Bible for a long forever. Everybody knows this. If you've got a fish up, it's different than it is than than a bird. Your flesh is different. The truth is in God's word. There is also terrestrial bodies, uh, celestial bodies, and terrestrial bodies. But the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There's one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars. For one star differs from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. Who wants to be resurrected in the kingdom? Does anybody read that and don't want to be resurrected into the kingdom? Don't everybody want those things in their life to be changed so that you no longer are dishonorable, or, you know, your body is, but glorious, weakness, but with power, all of those things. We want that. We want to be that way. So anytime that you have problems in your life, go back and think about what God is promising. And I'm not finished with the promises yet. I'm not finished with all the promises that God has given us for the kingdom of God. Because there is a great deal. And I'm not even getting close to all the things that could be talked about today on the kingdom of God. So he says, So the resurrection of the dead, the body of sown in corruption is raised in incorruption. Sown in dishonor, raised in glory. Sown in weakness, raised in power. Sown in natural bodies, raised to spiritual bodies. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. Go back to what Jesus said. Flesh is flesh and spirit is spirit. It matches exactly what Paul is talking about. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. When he went, when he was, went into the heavens, he was given the responsibility to, to give the spirit. You know what he said? When I go up there, the comforter will come. And so, the calling between the Father and the Son for us, for all that are being called, are a mutual desire by them to bring sons into the kingdom, sons and daughters. And pardon me, all you ladies, you are a part of it. It doesn't matter also what color you are, or, you know, brown color, Separate the races. God is the author of races, by the way. He's author of all humanity. And Jesus is the Savior of all humanity. And we want the resurrection into the kingdom. The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spirit is not first, but the natural. And afterwards, the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of dust. Dust you are, and dust you shall return. 
The second man is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also is those who are made of dust. And as the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And we have borne the image of the man of dust. We shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Now, I don't know how much. Now, I want to read this final victory here up to the, to the death. So I'm going to read these few verses. Now, this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For the corruptible must put on incorruption, the mortal must put on immortality. So when this corrupt, uh, corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, O grave, where is your victory? Because they will not, God has given the keys to, to Jesus to open the graves. It is a powerful message in the scriptures that we have. There are <laughs> spiritual friends. Um, I call them spiritual friends. In Second Timothy, because. In the heart, in Second Timothy four, in verse eight, we find that. I'm going to verse six. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Everyone in this room, just think about those verses. Are we fighting the good fight? Have we kept the faith? Do we believe in what the Bible says? Are we willing to live this way until we die? Until we are resurrected into the kingdom? Finally, he says, there is laid up for me crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day, and not me only, but also all them who have loved this appearance. Righteousness is, is, the, is the quality of that, um, of that pure white robe that will be given at that time, isn't it? And yet it must be that there's some kind of crown or some kind of, of thing that will be given also at the time Paul seeing that there was a crown of righteousness that will be given. But not just for him. He, he wanted to include everyone. He says, not just for me, but for everyone who loves his appearing, who wants Christ to come. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we pray. We want the kingdom to come. We want to see the millennial, beautiful millennium come to this earth. And James, you are familiar with these, I know. But I like to go over them anyway. And maybe if your time's right. James, just right there in the first chapter of verse 12, it's just one, one verse, but it's so, so beautiful. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. Blessed is the man and women, men, all of us, who endure temptation. For when he has been proved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. There is a crown of life, eternal life. Temporary life, not just something that's temporary with a with a body that is corruptible and will go back into the, the void of the grave. 
this life that we are talking about is eternal for all eternity. But we're not going to be playing harps. <laughs> I remember the first time I was a young kid. I, I remember. I, I think it was a, I don't remember whether it was a Catholic priest that was on the TV or something. Maybe it was just something funny that somebody said that was, oh, boy, when I get to heaven, I want to learn to play that harp. I want to play beautiful harp music in heaven. So, you know, everybody will. And I want to see the beatific vision. I just want to sit there and play my harp and see that beatific vision. I'm sorry, brother. It's <laughs> not that way. It's good. We're going to work. We're going to serve as Jesus served when he came to this earth. We're going to serve humanity until there's no time, there's no humanity left to serve. We're going to serve and we're going to do the work that God has set before us. And when he's finished with that, he's got something else out there that he's working on and he's been working on for a long time and he's waiting for us. That's what he's doing. He's waiting for you and I to come up into the kingdom so that he can get this job done. We'll continue on forever and ever and ever because he wants a family. He wants a huge family, a very large family. He loves children. <laughs> he loves us so much that he gets up for us. He does. And he, he wants us in the kingdom. First Peter. We're all familiar with this one too. Peter had the puppet on the crown. That is the shepherd. Um, this one is uh, 1 Peter 5. And I'm going to read from 1 to 5. The elders who are among you, I exhort. I, who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not in, by compulsion, but willingly and not as uh, dishonest to gain, but eagerly. And, and not being lords over those entrusted with you and being examples of the flock. And when Christ, the chief shepherd, appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. I think that's for everyone, because it will be a beautiful uh, crown of glory that we receive. Sometimes we think, okay, um, I, I go through this physical life. I've, I've, I've had a lot of stuff going on, a lot of things going on. Um, and is God, what, what is, what's God holding out for me? I mean, what am I, what am I going to do? What am I, what, what's, what is available to me in the kingdom? And it's interesting that Jesus reveals these things a little bit. And I say, really, what comes to, to, to my mind is not everything is revealed. There is glory, there is greatness, there is things that we cannot handle as physical human beings. We have no idea what it's like in this world. Jesus Christ, the island, 
that is called Patmos for the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. And I was in the Spirit in the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as if a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. What you see, write in a book and send it to the twelve, to the seven churches which are in Asia, in Ephesus, in Smyrna, in Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, in Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden girdle. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like flames of fire. And his feet were like fine brass, as it was refined in a furnace. And his voice is the sound of many waters. We want to be there someday to hear Christ. He had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in the strength. And when I saw him, I, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his hand on, on me and saying to me, Do not be afraid. <laughs> Don't be afraid. Well, I am the first and the last. I am he who is yours, who is dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. I have the keys of Hades and death, the grave and death. The keys to open them. No matter what your no matter if you live this life and die, Christ in you is going to resurrect you. Because you are his. You are his. You are the fathers, and you are the sons. The beautiful song that David sang, he loves us, even though sometimes we are not, you know, as uh, faithful and loyal in the things that we should do. But every time we go back into the Word, and it refreshes our mind as to what we are, and what we have, and what the responsibility is that we have to, to God. He will bring us through. Write the things which you have seen, and the things which are, and the things which will be, uh, which will take place after this. And the mystery of the seven stars which you saw is my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands, uh, and the seven stars of the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. So to those seven churches we gave um, instruction and correction. But I want to. That's, a, that's another sermon out of itself. And it's a really interesting sermon. How he instructs, how he actually uh, corrects, and, and the love that he really wanted to, to get to us, because there's no one in these churches that fail, right? Uh, that are still living, but uh, these words are for us. But there's wonderful things at the end for overcomers. For victors, that word overcomer means you're a victor. You, 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 you have won. You have made it. You are in the kingdom. So here are the beautiful things that God's going to, that Christ is going to give us at the end. So we want to make sure that we have an ear to hear. So the first one is in verse 7. He says, to him that overcomes, to him that is a victor, has made it into the kingdom, I will give to eat of the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of God. <laughs> and a man was taken out of paradise, wasn't he? He didn't have a chance to get to the tree of life. But God was going to give it to him. Jesus has said, you're going to be able to go to the paradise of God and partake of the tree of life all the time that you want to be in the kingdom. In verse 11, he says, um, he who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. The second death. There's more than one resurrection. And we're going to talk about that until the last great day. But there is a second death. And we'll talk about why that is important and why God really would like to have everyone repent. Everyone. There are some that will not. In verse 17, he says, I will give some 
I will give some of the hidden manna to eat. Um, to him that overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat, and I will give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name written, which no man, no one knows except him who received it. So there must be something very special about that manna. The, uh, I don't know if it's angel's food or what it is, but there's something extremely special about it that we were going to be able to partake of it. Verse 46, he says, And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron, and they shall be dashed to pieces like potter's vessels. As I also have received from my Father, I will give to him the morning star, and he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So we will have rulership, and we will have authority. That's really what that means. We will have authority in those cities that we are ruling, and we will be bringing the Word of God, salvation to all that are there, and we will do the same things that we're doing in our own life, and we will be teaching them to live this way. In chapter 3, verse 5, it says, very quickly, isn't it? I want to get through. He overcomes, shall be clothed in white garments, and will not blot out, I will not blot out his name for the book of life. But I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Wow. Whoa. That will be so powerful. Uh, I wonder if we can cry. Maybe we'll just sing these joyful songs. Maybe we'll just be singing so loudly as the Father, as we'll confess before the Father. Or maybe you can give us two minutes to just take shelter of Christ so that we can, you know, have this emotional feeling that, oh, what a wonderful thing to be brought before the Father. In verse 12, it says, He that overcomes. I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God and shall not go out uh, anymore. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. So we'll be well involved in all the things that God is going to do. He wants us to be there. He wants us to be involved in it. He wants us to be a participant in his his life and what he's, he's doing. Open your ears, listen to what the Spirit says to the churches because it's for all, all of us. Now, let's see. Uh, did I miss one? I may have one. Did I miss one? And if I did, you can go back and find it. <laughs> verse, verse 20. He says, Behold, I stand at the, the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him, and he will be with me. To him that overcomes, I will grant to sit with me in my throne, as I also have overcome and sat down with my Father in his throne. Whoa, how powerful can that be? That we will be a part of what they are doing, and they've been doing for almost 2,000 years in preparing us to be in the kingdom. So let's go back just real quickly yes, um, to the first part of this because um, there is a very important few verses here that at the beginning of, uh, of Revelation of what um, John wrote, he wanted us to understand grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us. already ready for us. He has made us 
kings and priests, or others have said a kingdom of priests, to his God and Father. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen.